Well, good morning. Welcome to the final uh, episode. Yeah, episode. I, my mind just went blank, Gavin. I'm Russ. That. I'm here with Gavin. Good morning. We're figuring out what we're doing here. Yeah, we're just, it's our first day. What can we do? We're distracted um, by the new equipment. Russ went and found some microphones that work. So uh, you'll hear the silky smooth voice of Russell Fox, Dr. Russell Fox. God is good. <laughs> Uh, hey, before we get, uh, begin and, and open our Bible, we're going to be in uh, Romans chapter 9 for those that want to open their Bible with us. Um, but uh, as we wrap up this week on discipleship, I just want to say I had an interesting conversation uh, last night that just, uh, man, it just really grieved me. Uh, a friend of mine called that I haven't spoken to in some time, and I used to work with this gentleman, and his daughter, who now claims to be an atheist, had a question about a race in scripture and where different races come from. And, and that's not the point of why I'm telling you this. The, the point of why I'm telling you this is, you know, I worked next to this gentleman for years and, um, you know, to whatever degree or I did or didn't do a very good job discipling him and to whatever degree, maybe there has been no discipleship, uh, from that point forward. I don't know, but it just really grieved me that, that his daughter is a, uh, a, an atheist or claims to be an atheist. And, and that led me to kind of wonder about his other two children and really about the, the state of, of his uh, relationship with Christ and, and his ex his now ex-wife's relationship with Christ. And so if you're listening to this and, and maybe you're tempted to remain silent about your faith or, or maybe kind of question whether or not you should be sharing your faith, you know, unless something happens in this young lady's life, uh, one day she's going to take her last breath. She's going to step into eternity and absent a profession of faith in Christ uh, on the authority of God's word, she will be eternally separated from his love and grace. And I mean, I don't know if you've read your Bible. I, I don't know if you understand what hell is like. I don't know that we can fully grasp the extent of the torment of hell. But I heard a professor say, and I, I firmly believe this, if we if we truly understood hell, we wouldn't want anyone to suffer eternally in hell, even our worst enemy. And so it breaks my heart to hear that, and that makes what we're talking about this week so incredibly important, that we understand what's on the line when we talk about discipleship, when we talk about sharing our faith. And so with that, Gavin, would you mind leading us in prayer, and then we can read this passage in Romans? Sure, and, and I would add to that, um, that that is not an unbiblical approach. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Uh, it is because of our awareness, however minuscule it may be, that the Bible doesn't speak, um, doesn't maybe give us as much about heaven or hell as we would like to know. Uh, I would imagine that the one certainly would terrify us. The more we knew, the more terrified we would be. And the other would just be so overwhelming for those that have trusted in Christ and have that hope uh, within us. I don't know that we could stand on the ground. We'd be hopping, you know, we'd be trying to get to heaven any way we could. Uh, And so I think that, that, uh, you know, Paul, Paul uses both of those as motivation. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. So there's the negative motivation that you wouldn't want your worst enemy in hell, but also the pot of positive motivation. For, you know, he's not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the yeah. power of God unto them which believe. You know, so so um, both the positive and the negative are, are driving forces for Paul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, you have heard Pastor Russ pour out his heart, express some deep grief, deep grief, uh, in a real person's 
real anguish and another person's blindness. And Heavenly Father, we were all blind. We were all uh, had hearts of stone that would not receive the things that you have given us in your word. Uh, And so we do pray for her. And we pray that her eyes would be open. Paul reminds us that if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. And so uh, I do pray that she would be unblinded, that she would be given eyes to see you as beautiful and good and worthy, and that she would have the hope that we know, uh, salvation in Christ Jesus, the hope of, that hope of glory, Heavenly Father. We pray these things uh, in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. 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 Yes, indeed. And and in Romans chapter nine, um, you know, Paul begins there, verse one. I, I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory of the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. And, and you know, we, we, we're looking at Paul here. He is grieved in his spirit for these countrymen, for these people that uh, he has served with perhaps as a, as a uh, scholar, uh, these people that maybe he studied with under Gamaliel, uh, we, we don't know. But we do know that um, he's grieving because of their lack of faith in Christ. Right. I, I think there's a really important thing. Also, because we don't know, we don't know that if he was best friends with a, with a group of people, it doesn't seem to be that, or he studied with them, or he, they were, he, or maybe they were his persecutors. Right. And he has a, a sensitive spot in his heart for people that persecuted, because guess what? He was one of them. That's right. Or, or maybe they're just his countrymen. Any association that we have with people, I, I'm thinking of John Don's meditation number 17. He said, no man is an island unto himself. We're all related. And so any relationship we have with people should cause us to desire them to be in heaven. And so, and, and because we're all related in some sense, maybe they're our best friends, maybe they're our study partners, maybe they're our coworkers that you know you had that I- I interaction with, or maybe they're just part of humanity, yeah, fellow image bearers of God, and it should break our heart. Uh, so, let me do this. Do you ever pro- provoke yourself to think more deeply on heaven? And l- l- let me explain maybe what I mean, and, and you can. So occasionally, I'll just hold my wife's hand, and it's good, it's nice. And I'll think, heaven's better than this. One of my favorite times in life is when my kids used to come in when they were all little, and, and they don't do it as much because I don't think there's as much room on the bed. Maybe is the bed shrinking or are we? Anyways, that's neither here nor there. But anyways, the kids used to run in on my day off, and they'd hop up on the bed, and we'd all just laugh and tell jokes and and uh, and just enjoy that morning. And I'd think, what a great time of fellowship. And heaven's going to be better than this. I use I'll I'll go stand in front of a mountain or the ocean and just think you know as Job reminds us these are but outskirts of God's ways the thunder that you hear and stuff like that anything that you can use to you know kind of provoke you to think about God the things that we see the power of God that we experience those are just but outskirts of His ways so I just go wow heaven's going to be great and I think about how much joy there's going to be there and how much celebration no more crying no more tears perfect fellowship perfect love perfect unity wow. And then other times I'll sit there and go, you know, we had a very tragic experience of someone that committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And I just thought to myself, the Bible assures us that 
in hell, whatever that may mean, it is a torment that ascends forever, according to Revelation 14. The smoke of their torment ascends forever, and there's no rest day and night. So, you know, let me be clear. This is a pretty intense topic we're discussing. Suicide does not negate the possibility of heaven. Even if your final decisive act is sinful, it does not mean that the cross is not big enough to cover it. So let me be clear about that. But with this person, if they weren't saved, and that was my big grief, are they saved? Are they saved? Are they saved? And uh, and I was assured later somebody had spoken to them about their faith, and they were. But and so that well, we, we won't discuss that today. It's a deeper conversation. But anyways, they would beg to come back to their worst day. And so now you have the juxtaposition of heaven, glorious heaven, paradise, and hell, tragically uh, painful separate from God, imperfect fellowship, weeping and gnashing of teeth, whatever those exactly mean, it's not good. And then you have Paul that looks around and knows some people are destined for the one and not the other. And so um, I think as God opens your eyes and as you contemplate heaven or hell, you have to care about the people around you and yeah, you it have should to share... Us. It should, well, and we should pray that it grieves us more and more and more. God, yeah. give me a heart for the lost and the broken. Paul says here that he has unceasing anguish in his heart for his kinsmen. Mm-hmm. And like we said, it may be his best friend. I doubt that. But maybe somebody that he knew, maybe somebody that he even knew well, or very well, maybe somebody he didn't know. It doesn't matter. When you contemplate heaven and hell, it, it, it drives you to, to evangelism, to share your faith. Yeah, and I have to be honest about this. I think part of what gets me about this particular situation is the fact that it's a child. Um, I am, uh, for whatever reason, particularly sensitive to about children who are in houses where the influence of the parents or the influence of, the, of their surroundings are, are so ungodly and wicked that they are, in effect, driving those children away from God. Not that, not that they needed any help. We're born sinners. We're, we're born with a proclivity to run from God. But without any godly influence in a person's life, I think um, most of us would agree that it, it is very difficult to uh, have any hope that that person is going to accept Christ. They're, they're not going to hear the gospel. They're, they're, you know, especially if the parents are very mystical and turning to all these other things, these worldly things, for any kind of spirituality instead of God. And that's what I sense was going on here. And I'm thinking of another member of our church who's got a grandson whose mother is an atheist. And, and I have prayed for this young man. And, and, and that really, my heart is tender for children when uh, the environment, the home life is such that it, it is very difficult to imagine a situation where those children, not that God can't, uh, but the, you know, we, we, we know the vast majority of the world's population, at least statistically, is, is lost. And uh, it, it, you know, when it comes to children especially, it breaks my heart. And uh, so I don't know that I could say with Paul, I'm grieved for my countrymen as much as I am their children. Well, and that's what I, I tried to bring up prayer. We, we really do need to pray that, that uh, we would be grieved. You know, uh, for, I'll give you a story really quickly. Um, I know a pastor who uh, went into a church he wasn't familiar with, with uh, 
what was going on there. It was, it was a friend of his. It would be like, if I came to your church, I'll, I'll even use me as the example. So I come to your church, Russ. Um, so I, Gavin walk into Russ's church and, and, and we're in a, in a small little group meeting and, and people are kind of pouring out their hearts. And one of the mothers says that their daughter, uh, was, a, was attacked. Um, and so she had a lot of animosity towards the, the attacker and, you know, kind of express that. And then you, Russ, would ask me, a visitor, to pray because, you know, we're pastor friends. And so you asked me to pray, and he started praying, and he prayed for the, the daughter, he prayed for the mother, he prayed for the church, he prayed. But then he also prayed for the attacker, that that, that attacker would repent and be saved. Mm. And the mother kind of lashed out in the middle of prayer, from what I understood, and just said, I don't want him to be saved. Oh, wow. Um, and so I think we need that. I think that's a spiritual act. Uh, that God needs to soften our hearts, even towards people that w- we don't like, yeah. uh, that we are call- called and commanded to love. I think God needs to soften our hearts uh, or maybe enliven our hearts away from apathy for people that we don't really care about. They don't really cross our minds. God, God, grieve my heart for the lost. Uh, and, then, and then you were talking about kids, and, and I've noticed this. If, if you would walk into a church and said, hey, uh, one of our members, she's eight years old, and she just got diagnosed with leukemia, and, and I, that is tragic. Uh, there are some, I, I just weep when I watch the St. Jude Hospital accounts. You know, I mean, that just yeah. really grieves me. If you would walk into a church and said, hey, so-and-so, you know, uh, Missy was diagnosed with cancer at eight years old, the, the church would gasp. Right? <gasps> no, and you would hear it. I, I, I've been a part of those where there's an audible reaction to that, and it is tr- it's sad, and that's the right response. Weeping and 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 encouraging the family and praying for them, that's the right response. But if you would walk in that same church and say, "Hey, every child is born with a malady called sin, and the wages of sin is death," people would look at you like you lost your mind. So what? Well, we got to get kids here so we can, you know. You said, I want to be clear. Salvation is like walking into a cemetery, and and without the the work of God, it would be like salva- uh, the the proclamation of the gospel would be like pro- you know saying hey to those in the the ground say get up and walk. Well, it's not going to happen unless a supernatural act of God takes place. However, God uses means, right. and God uses the means of faithful parents and the you know that's that's that Malachi. God desires godly offspring. That's why you should stay together as as a husband and a wife because and raise your kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So um, he uses means, and one of the things that means he uses is godly parents. But another one, and you can just because I want to drive us back to scripture, is Romans ten thirteen. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And so you're right. If, if there's no access to the gospel, how are they going to call on the name of the Lord? Yeah. And, and you know, we talked uh, before this kind of about this situation that, that's grieving me and, and how, you know, it ties into discipleship and the need for discipleship. Uh, and, and you just summed it up there. I mean, you know, in quoting that scripture, you know, how will they believe if no one tells them? And and you know, Paul certainly talks about that in Timothy. We talked a little bit about that about you know, um, in, in verse two, you know, chapter two, verse two, First Timothy, um, the the things that you have heard from me uh, among many witnesses, commit these uh, to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's discipleship, and the reason the. the the point of that is that 
the gospel will be heard, it will be shared, because otherwise, how will people believe? How will an atheist ever, like we tend to give up when people reject uh, the gospel, if we want to share the share our faith and they reject it, we tend to, some people tend to kind of cower in fear. No, uh, hey, listen, let's not cower in fear. Let's not be afraid of those people. Let's pray for those people even more because just because they're not willing to hear it today doesn't mean that the seed hasn't been planted. And, and little as much when God is in it, God can take that seed. Uh, somebody else may provide a little water, uh, a little rain. God will bring forth the increase. We don't know. And we see an example of that, and we talked about this prior to uh, this episode, with the woman at the well. You know, here was a woman who was an outcast, even within the society of Samaritans, which according to the Jews were social outcasts. And even in that outcast situation, I mean, let's face it, she, she would have been the one wearing the scarlet letter, right? Uh, and yet Jesus uh, says, yeah. You're, you've been married five times, and the guy you're shacking up with now, he's not your husband. And what happens? Well, she ends up going away, going to the very people that, that are looking at her kind of side-eyed because of the fact that she's been married five times. And, I mean, she was scandalous. Even today, that would be scandalous. She goes, and in spite of, of whatever these people think of her and, and whatever her uh, standing is in the society, she tells them about Jesus. That is what we are to do. It's not about who we were before Jesus. It's what Jesus has done for us. Yeah, I've got so many things that I want to get into. I think we should go to uh, John 4. Um, I think we should uh, talk about the replication process, whereas sometimes we as pastors feel like it's incumbent upon us to do the ministry rather than equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so we're not passing it on to others that are able to train. Uh, we, we're, we're taking on a responsibility that is ungodly and, and not productive. So there's, there are those things that we could talk about. But, but you said something I just want to spend a little time with before we call today, and that is that even in t by today's standards, it would be um, scandalous. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not so sure that that is true. Uh, and I, I want to I give you maybe an example, and then I want to say why that's problematic. And the example is perhaps, and let me be clear, I have no idea what the former coach of the Boston Celtics did. I have no idea how much of it is true. I have, however, there are accusations about there about extramarital relationships. Okay. I have no idea uh, what is true and what is not, but he is now at least looking to be hired by another team where, uh, I think it was Matt Barnes, another NBA player said, he said like, this guy's never going to get a job in the NBA again. Oh, you don't know where America is right now. Yeah. It's not, it's not a big deal. We'll just hire him to another team. I mean, there, there are people, I mean, look at, it's, it's in the news, I, but like, well, there's the, an example after Sean Watson. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's getting paid millions unless that pay has been suspended. Hundreds of millions. Okay. Hundreds of millions. Thank you. But quarter of a billion. Yeah. And what that does is it allows us to sin and not see it as sin. Right. And one of the most beautiful things about that account with the woman at the well is she, she eventually, I believe, saw it as sin. Yeah. And then said, how am I going to get fixed? Hmm. I need I need the living water, yeah. and you never come to the well if you don't realize you're thirsty. Mm. And so we'll stop. Maybe stop there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then come back and, and we'll go to John four. Yeah. Maybe tomorrow. Sounds good. Or well, wait. Would it be Monday? <laughs> or in another fifteen minutes. <laughs>
<laughs> well, uh, until we get back together, keep opening your Bible, and we look forward to seeing you then. God bless.